It's the Wiener Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wiener Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wiener Walker Jr. Podcast. Hey, it's Wiener Walker Jr. The Pussy King, the pop country killing machine. It's my second episode of the podcast that I've done from the road. I'm sitting here in a Holiday Inn. Probably sitting on a bed covered in jizz. Some of it mine. Hopefully most of it mine, but... Anyway, um, the old Wheeler Tour's kicking ass. We've been having a blast out here. Um, some of the shows have been great, and don't forget to check out the website for the new shows. We got a whole new dates uh, coming up, and a lot of you people bitching we ain't coming to Texas. Well, we got Texas on there now, and uh, what else are we doing? Finally, going back home to Kentucky, doing some dates, and we're doing a uh, Detroit, Ohio. I don't even know. I haven't looked at it. But speaking of Texas. Uh, this week we got Josh Abbott band, really cool dudes. Um, got talked the first time I talked to a whole band at once, so it was fun. That was fun to do, um, and I really dig them because, um, I mean, besides their music, I always like it when a band um, does a record, then signs a big deal, big major label record deal, and then uh, gets dropped, and then they say fuck it, and they keep going, and they get bigger than they were before. It's always an inspiring story. Just to prove that these corporate fucking big label motherfuckers can suck their own dicks. Um, so it was fun uh, talking to them. We also got to hang out. Uh, you know my my manager Alfred, who I talk about sometimes, that big fat loser. But um, a lot of you guys don't know. Most people people like me, they have a day to day manager, a guy who works you know with you each day. My guy's name is Mark, and he's also Josh Abbott's guy, and. Uh, he worked his ass off, so we had fun making fun of him. Or they made fun of him more. They call him Mark the Shark, which I didn't know that was his name, so I'm going to start calling him that. Um, we give out his Instagram on the podcast, so check him out, Mark the Shark. It's not his name, but uh, he is a shark in his own way. We actually recorded this during Shark Week, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Uh, man, I'm so fucking tired. Um, but I met these guys at Watershed, which was actually one of the best dates of the tour. This big kind of big giant uh, kind of mainstream country music festival. We went on at about eleven thirty or midnight and fucking destroyed the place. Had a blast. People going crazy. Probably the biggest crowd we ever played for. A few thousand people losing their fucking minds, singing along to Pussy and you know and dicks and tits and shit. And a couple girls dropped them out. It was cool. Cool to see it go to that level and people knowing that I'm the real fucking deal. So uh, without further ado. Here's my interview with Josh Abbott Band. Cool dude. Check out their new album. It's coming out. Whenever this airs, I don't know. It's coming out a little bit after this. It's called, um, it's called, uh, what the fuck's the album called? It's called, uh, um, hold on. Until My Voice Goes Out. I always forget album titles. Back in Black, I remember that one. The rest are hard to, uh, remember. But definitely grab their new record. Um, they're a completely independent uh, band. They actually distribute their shit by themselves. I mean, they, they're the ones shipping it to Amazon, shipping it to the record store. They do fucking everything. They got no no corporate interest at all. They just put out everything themselves. They do it all themselves. So it's really cool to watch a band like this, uh, you know, make it. So check out. Here's my interview with them. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's the Wheeler Walker Jr. Podcast. Hey, it's Wheeler Walker yeah, Jr. with the Josh Abbott Band here. 
We appear to be recording. Hold on, let me check it. Yeah, we got sound coming in. The thing's fucking flying by. I'm here with the Josh Abbott band. We're at the Watershed Festival in their bus. Say hi, Josh. Hello. Hi, Josh. We got the rest of the band here. Introduce yourself. You can just point them out. Yeah, here, everybody. So uh, you want me to say it or them? You say it. Yeah. I'll say it. All right. Austin on the banjo, James on the bass, Preston on fiddle, Eddie on drums, David on the keys, and Caleb on the guitar. Saw you guys earlier. Sounded fucking great. Our, we have the same manager, Mark, who's apparently going to chug a beer for us. Mark the Shark. Mark the Shark. Mark the shark. All right. <clears throat> chug a beer, dude. Yeah, chug it. What's your Insta handle? Mark Noel. 1216, ladies. What's that? Is that, is that your birthday? 1216. Hey, ladies, Mark. if you want to go to Poundtown at Mark Noel 1216. Yeah, he's got he's got one of the shittiest Instagrams I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, watch this. Here he goes. He's he's, un, he's uncorking the beer. Watch this. That's why we call him Mark the Shark. Oh shit! Mark the Shark. Because he spills beer. Jesus Christ! You're, you know you're supposed to put it in your mouth. No, Good times. Not the, not the bus. Shark. Mark the Shark. Oh, Holy shit! That was that was pretty cool. That was good. He actually drank that in about three seconds. That was yeah, man. Impressive. Are you wasted? That's impressive. <laughs> that was really. Good. That was actually really cool. His sixth one is faster. Do not do three more, three more, three more. <laughs> um, all right, Josh, uh, you got the new album coming out. Uh, I heard it on the way up here. It sounded killer. Thank you. It's uh, say the title again. I keep forgetting it. Until my voice goes out. Where'd you get that title? Well, uh, I actually. It's, it's the title track It's song uh, It's track number two On the album And uh, it's a song I wrote uh, Probably a couple years ago Actually And um, Over the last couple years I've had some vocal issues Just here and there I don't know if it's technique Or allergies Or a combination of both But I've been losing my voice Here and there And so I was really frustrated with it And I wanted to write this song about uh, You know Singing until my voice goes out But then I kind of took that Metaphorically To the bigger picture Right Living life until I am until I'm not anymore and doing the things that I love until I can't. And that's kind of how that song took on the meaning. And then that's the title track. To well, that's the cool. That's way more complex than my shit. I don't have, <laughs> I don't, I don't do metaphors and that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I have been losing my voice on this tour. Have you figured out a solution to it? No, you know, I, I think it's just simple wear and tear. I think some singers are just naturally great at what they do and they're, they have great technique. And I also have the worst allergies on the planet. I got bad allergies too. And, uh, I mean, I'll wake up in the morning just from sleeping, you know, for so, and, 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 and I already feel like my, I've been at an ACDC concert and my voice is shredded and that's just when I wake up, we could be off the road for a month and I wake up and do you feel take, that you way. take allergy meds? I do. I take some allergy meds here and there. What do you take? Zyrtec D. That's what I take. Yeah. This is fucking weird. Hey, it was, it's not fucking working. Same man, so, same manager, same allergy yeah. medicine. So you know, I, you know, I just try to do what I can, man, and power through and, and, and just do the best that I can. Okay, well, yeah, I get that. I've moved to the generic Zyrtec D, which isn't as good, but, um, <laughs> but cheaper. It's cheaper, yeah, but it still doesn't. It doesn't seem to do shit. Do you, do you, do you still get the D? Yeah, the D, the D fucks me up a little bit. The D, the D will fuck you up. You, now you got to show an ID to get the D. Son of a bitch. Yeah, because of, so you're not ma- so then so they know you're not making meth. I think is why, isn't that it? Yeah, Sudafed. Yeah, I had an idea. I was going to go in there like dressed, you know, wearing like all like a like a hazmat suit and just ask for like 300, 300 packs of uh, Sudafed and like 900 alkaline batteries and a, and a bucket and see what they did, but I never ended up doing it. 
so, uh, how how much this is a fucking how do you, how did you when did you guys move out to the, to the bus? That's always my first question. I, I I want a bus so bad. Mark can't figure it out for me. But how'd you guys <laughs> how'd you guys get into a bus? Uh, well, we bought this bus at the very end of 2012. Um, we had actually that was the small period of time that we were with. Atlantic and Warner. Okay. And so we had kind of gotten a big signing bonus for that. And so we took the money and put it we down payment. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that, that guy didn't. Yeah. We t- took the money, put it as a down payment on the bus. That's pretty smart. Yeah, most people aren't that smart. And, yeah. um, you know, it has definitely saved us a lot of money. Every now and then it breaks down. It's a pain in the ass because you don't have the option to call the bus company and be like, hey, send me the backup. But it just is what it is. And um, it's almost paid off and it's a, it's a better investment for us. So when you sign your big record deal, you just take that money and get a yeah, bus. Yeah, I, I, I got nobody offering me record deals right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess it's, it's a sprinter van for me, I suppose. So how you guys, um, this part of the, uh, which is something I don't, I've just learned about recently. I don't fucking know this, what they call red dirt scene. That's where you guys come from, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Where, you know, where's that name come from? I don't even know. Well, you know, what's funny is you really want to get to particul- particulars of it. You know, there's red dirt is a very different thing to some people than Texas country. You know, we're, we're identified more so as Texas country. Okay. Some people nationally, they box it kind of together because red dirt is more the Oklahoma, Kansas vibe, whereas Texas country obviously is the Lone Star State. And, um, you know, but, but the two kind of marry, you know, we all play to the same fans. We play the same circuit, the same venues and festivals. You're out of Austin. Yeah. We all pretty much live in Austin. There's a couple that don't, but, um, we're based out of Texas, Austin now. And, um, you know, we we probably tour. I'd say, I'd say sixty percent of our touring is probably Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and then that remaining forty percent is the rest of the country. What's what's the biggest audience you you guys can get in Texas? <clears throat> Yeah, we play Lone Star Park. Uh, we usually, you know, anytime we play, how big the, is that? We usually do about fifteen to eighteen thousand there. Holy shit! Anytime we play in the DFW area, we can safely pretty much assume that, depending on the venue size, obviously. But you know, we can draw probably ten to fifteen thousand people. Why so. Mark sucking my dick for eight hundred fifty <laughs> tickets? <laughs> well, you should see what he does for us. Yeah, well, I mean, come, Jesus, how the fuck do I get to that? I guess it's, let's not make it about me, but seriously, well, not. we've been grinding down there for years. How you know? many years? How many? How long did it take you to get to fifteen thousand? Uh, probably six or seven years. All right, I got some time. I guess. And you know that's that's still moving pretty quick. I mean, but um, you know we're just very fortunate to have uh, a country scene down in Texas that really embraces that independent Texas camaraderie heritage vibe that we put out in the music, and uh, you know the fans they're they're just great about supporting so, us and a lot of other bands. I mean, there's, there's bands in Texas that, you know, they probably go to Ohio or some other state and they could only do, you know, 500 tickets, but they'll do 5,000 tickets in Texas. And it's just, a, it's a different ball game and it is what it is. Yeah. I guess it's just a whole nother, it's like another fucking state, I guess, another country or something. Um, when, when did, uh, but it's, it, Texas is part of the United States though, right? Yes. Okay. For now. We'll see. We'll see we'll but we're going to fucking secede one day. If someone told me California's put, just put up some kind of thing that they're, they want trying to secede or something, that there's a motion. They can secede if they want. Yeah. I'll vote for them to secede. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a landslide. Yeah. Um, so when did you guys um, when did you guys form? Um, I'll let some of these guys talk, but basically we Austin and I are fraternity brothers in college, and what, so we what went, school? Texas Tech. Where's that again? 
Lubbock. Lubbock. It's kind of okay. in the Panhandle area of Texas. And that's where you guys all formed in Lubbock. That's kind of yeah. We we went to college together, and these guys went to college together. Um, early on, after a couple of years of just kind of dicking around locally, we decided to get a little more serious about it. And these two joined up with us. Uh, two years after that, these gentlemen joined, and then just a couple of years later, this young man joined. And so uh, for for the people listening who can't see, he's just pointing at random dudes. I'm just pointing I, at dudes. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Cause, he's always on our yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. So Austin, the banjo player, was my fraternity brother. We started okay. it. Preston, the fiddle player, and our drummer Eddie, they joined next. And so we've been kind of a foursome since 2008, pretty okay. much. And then these other guys joined uh, around 2010, and uh, a little bit later. So what was the trajectory then? You did you put out some independent shit first and then signed to a big label? Yeah, yeah, man. We uh, we put out a little EP, and that's what launched us. We had this song. Actually, I feel like you'd appreciate it. It's pretty. It's about as vulgar as you can get for radio. Uh, a song called "Taste," and it's about oral sex. And uh, see, that's the you guys are. Too, that's the kind of clever shit I got to think about. Is the yeah. Um, you know how to talk around it. I guess I'm not that smart. And so we, 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 I wrote this song and it ended up blowing up on Tech Campus, and so that kind of spread to other universities, A and M, and some others. And then, so is there like a, like the like radio, like country radio in Texas? Is that different than they do their own thing a little more than the? It, it's very similar. I mean, there's obviously there's mainstream stations in Texas. There's some stations that do a good job of com- kind of combining it. You know, you'll hear Texas country and mainstream, and then there are some stations across the state that are just Texas country. Well, that's cool. So there's, there's actually DJs who can play what they want. Yeah, yeah, pretty which is much. Pretty rare now. And this, it gets political like it does on the na- on the national level. It's just not near as big. You know, you still have to do a radio tour. You still have to go. You know, go meet. DJs and pitch yourself to them and you know it's funny because a lot of artists get pissed about it. they're like oh man I have to be out here on the road sucking dick and meeting all these DJs and pitching my music but it's like that's pretty much the way it is almost in any business right like yeah, no matter yeah. what you do you to have me, to pitch to yourself me going to going out and sucking dicks vacation <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well there's always tequila involved so yeah what uh, so th- yeah. Th- then from here, there where do you guys talk so from there I don't know. I kind of like Josh better. Yeah, that's true. So, so from there, you um, is that where the majors came in? So, uh, I'll kind of fast forward real quick. We put out uh, two independent albums, and the the second one in 2010 did really well for us. We had a couple, I would yeah, songs that I would argue that were pretty big grassroots hits for us, not just in Texas but outside of it. And that's when the label started paying attention to us. And then we recorded our third album, Small Town Family Dream, and Atlantic was trying to sign it. And they weren't serious enough or they weren't giving us the deal that we wanted. And I said, look, we're going to put the album out. We need that fucking bus We're not going to sit yeah. around. And, well, actually what happened, yeah, we, we said we're not going to wait around for you to come up with you know the deal because we have a business already going. We need to put a new album out. And that's so. pretty early for someone doing that, I would think. I mean – yeah, I don't know. It's 2012, and so we put it out, and we sold like 22,000 copies week one, and so that's when Atlantic called and said, hey, we want to get on this. They signed that record, signed us to a deal. Is partner- that when you signed with them for management? or No, we've actually been with them as management for the whole time pretty much since really? early on. You hang out with this dude the whole fucking no. Whole Mark <laughs> Mark came on just a year ago. I've oh, been with, the, but okay. his boss Bruce is who's managed us up Got until okay. recently. Really, Mark kind of does most of it now, but Bruce still has a huge hand in what we do. Um, but um, I'm saying um too much. So I'll fast forward. So we signed the record deal, partnered with Warner. We put out an EP. It it didn't do well. 
and it tanked pretty much. And then they decided for some reason after one single that tanked that they didn't want to push us anymore. And so they dropped that's us. That's fucking crazy. And we said, okay. So we went and recorded Front Row Seat. And that's probably, you know, one of the more successful albums we've ever recorded. And we ended up releasing two songs to national radio as independent. And one of them went top 40, something that we couldn't even do on the label. Yeah, so we the, have a very the, crazy what, story. What are these fucking labels for then? I mean, I don't understand. Well, I think that they're great, uh, you know, if you know you want to play the game the right way and, and the way that they do it. Uh, it didn't work out for us. It's probably not something we'd ever even want to do again. But for some people, it works. You know, they, they sign the deal. They develop. They, they go hustle. They go meet a hundred different radio stations. and Yeah, I'm not sure who it's, you know, I don't know anyone personally who it's worked for, but I just like doing my own thing. So who knows? But so this new one is you you guys it's like compo- like the actually independent it's like everything you're putting yeah. it out here it's like there's no f- everything we've ever put out is independent except for that ep we did with the label well, weren't you weren't you with uh three tigers for a little bit there yeah but i mean they're an indie label i mean yeah, really all the, but i'm saying but now it's yeah. like you do everything you yeah yeah exactly it's almost like why not at this point yeah because i think the world of technology and all these different mediums and you know companies they allow you the ability to do some things in-house that in the past were uh you know that you had to contract so you know your distribution and setting it up on online apple music and things like that you can do that in-house now whereas in the past you had to pay people to do it i mean yeah you, so you guys got a big operation tour bus all this stuff that you're just doing everything it's all fucking josh abbott band incorporated I guess. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and probably that's that's probably arguably part of the reason why we have never gotten bigger but it's also a big part of the reason why we have gotten to where we've gotten and been able to sustain it is because we kind of as a group, you know, we talk about the music and decide what to play. I mean, this newest album, you know, we, we put it out. It comes out in three weeks. I don't know when this airs, but it's it comes out in week, mid-August. It'll come out probably two. Probably it'll come out a week from Monday. So probably two weeks. Guys, go pick it up two weeks from probably today. Yeah, what's, the date? Out, what's the date? August 18th. August 18th. And, uh, you know, there's some songs on there that we voted for as a band. You know, like, do we want to put this song on the album? And and so... How uh, many songs do you guys record? I think on that album we recorded 11 tracks. And then there's some... And where do you do it? Some, uh, some... There's like a couple... There's an epilogue and there's also a couple preludes to songs. Yeah, I, saw, I heard the, that, that part. Did you do... Um, do you have a studio or something? No, we recorded a buddy's in Austin. So the like, stu- studio cost isn't cr- like you can sit in there all, as much as you want and record as many songs as you want to do. Yeah, I think we recorded it probably takes two to three weeks. But, I mean, the cost of recording an album there compared to the Nashville album is yeah. probably, uh, I would say, 25% the cost. Yeah, because they're re- charging you up the fucking ass for all that stupid shit you don't want. You know? I mean, it's crazy. $90 pizzas and that kind of shit. It's crazy. I mean... <clears throat> But it tastes good, yeah. But. When we were when we were with the label, I'm sure it would piss them off for me to say it, but I don't really care anymore. Uh, you know, when they signed us to the record deal, they paid the producer that did our EP. Originally, it was supposed to be a full album, and he got paid like a hundred and fifty or a hundred and sixty thousand to do that album, and like Jesus, Christ, yeah. Christ. And we ended up only putting out a five song EP. And and now we can record. We recorded this album. 
this album probably cost us 50 grand, maybe 60. But the reason it cost that much is because we spent 30,000 or so, or what, 20,000 on the strings and the horns, because obviously we haven't talked about it yet, but on this album. So those are all live. It's not synthesizer. It's all live. No, it's all live. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting horny. So we added, uh, we added a, Horn section of the album and a string section. We had to pay where'd, to get that. Where'd you find composed. the players? Uh, so the horn section is called the Groove Line. They're based out of Austin. They are the same band that tours with Jason Mraz and Zach Brown, name drop. Mm-hmm. And um, the strings were composed by a guy named Rob Mathis, who's uh, probably one of the world's most respected and renowned commercial music composers. He's composed music for Sting, Bono, who else? Huh? Everybody, I mean, the Beyonce, the, the the biggest names in music, hire him to arrange music, arrange the music for strings, and we hired him as well. And he used, I think, four members of the Austin Symphony to record on this album. So probably we had as much cost in outsourcing all of that as we did actually recording the album with us. And who do you guys produce it yourselves? Um, you know, obviously, as players and as a band, we have a big role in our parts. But the, our producer on the album, his name is Dwight Baker. Shout out Dwight. He uh, he's produced a guy uh, named Bob Schneider for years, who's kind of like the Austin and Texas version of Dave Matthews, except probably even more out there than that. Um, he's also worked with Kelly Clarkson. He's worked with uh, some other Texas country bands, and most recently, he's had a lot of success with a alternative band on the charts called Missio. Oh which, yeah, they they work with you guys too. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool man. Well, who who's, who were your favorite guys growing up? Uh, you we know, can, here, we, can, we can get everyone's. Yeah, I want to yeah. hear what who everyone listened to. I'm gonna throw it around the room. You know, for me personally, uh, musically, in terms of the influence on what I do now, Pat Green was a huge part. Pat Green and Willie Nelson, they're the reasons I picked up a guitar in the first place. And then once I started learning D chord, G chord, and playing some stuff, that's when I started to dive into the Texas country thing a little more with influences like, you know, the Randy Rogers band and Wade Bowen and some other guys. But uh, I'll pass this mic on because all these guys have, um, you know, awesome yeah, let's get, let's get list of references. You guys may have to scoot up because chord isn't crazy. Long. Yeah. Um, this is Austin, by the way. So, uh, I guess Austin, you live in Austin? No, I live in Bedford, Texas, That's the stupid. thriving metropolis of Bedford. <laughs> it is stupid. Yeah, I know. It's because his ex-wife's a bitch. Oh, come on, let's not say that. We can say that. Your ex-wife's a bitch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Why is she a bitch? Well, uh, she won't let you let you live in Austin. That's right. This is a whole different podcast, but we can get yeah. it. Yeah, you okay. can Google her, but um, <laughs> well, I no, loved I mean, Aerosmith growing up. <laughs> I'm saying this is finally fucking getting good. You know what? I'm, I think we're going down a bad road. You play banjo, Bella Fleck's a huge influence for you. Well, it was Aerosmith, then uh, Dave Matthews, and then Bela Fleck. Um, and that's, yeah, pretty much my music upbringing from there. Um, this is James uh, I'm the bass player So all my influences Are like the Nerdy weird ones James Taylor Getty Lee uh, No I'm not a big Getty fan Do you have an ex Who's a bitch <laughs> <laughs> No actually I'm happily married And have two kids Boring uh, next Yeah <laughs> Yeah exactly <laughs> This is Preston um, I grew up uh, Playing in the VFW halls So Merle Haggard By far Yeah I mean It's kind of hard To beat that guy yeah, I mean, I saw the hag on your hat. Yeah. 
But I mean, fiddle and steel. You yeah, play. fiddle, steel. You know, I just, I just love all that stuff. But um, Stuart Duncan, you know, stu- you know, because I saw you playing. Fi- fi- but you, you go fiddle. What do you play on stage? Uh, fiddle, guitar, and I started playing steel a couple years ago. So we're gonna re- bring that out in the next few months on the new tour. How, so that's new for you, huh? Yeah. How'd you? How'd it's you find bitch. it? Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I'd, yeah. I'd love to learn how to play that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's hard. Um, my uncle actually, my dad's band. You know, like I saying I play in the VFW halls. So. Um. He uh, he played steel forever, so I always wanted to do that. But my dad wanted me to be a fiddle player, and uh, so I did that first. And decided the older I got that I didn't want to stand up and play anymore. So you know, when I get old, I want to sit some, down. Yeah, okay. find some just fucking sit yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. This is Eddie. Oh, sorry, Austin. <laughs> my uh, my biggest influence is obviously my father, but he had me growing up uh, playing to the Eagles. You no, know, Don Hanley is he's not a f- fancy drummer. So you know, I grew up just playing like. It's hard to get fancy part. when you're singing too, I guess. <laughs> well, your dad. So your who your dad play with? He played a lot of the Heino bands in the country. You know, he did some classic rock stuff, just locally. Okay. He never. He was a drummer. Did. Yes, sir. Okay. What he used to say, he was like, "I taught you everything." Oh, you know, I, I taught you everything right? you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not cool. <laughs> I know it's not. <laughs> what's he? What's he holding back? <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> All right, the guy with the what's your name again? Hey, what's up, man? I'm David. David, that's right. You got the old Gringo boots. Huh? Yeah. So do uh, I. man, I think uh, Led Zeppelin, AC fucking DC, and uh, Dwight Yoakam. Dwight, yeah, I fucking I fucking love Dwight. That's, oh a, my that's God. a Kentucky guy. That's you know that's that's where I'm from. If you guys didn't know, um, see, that's where um, that's how a band gets cool. It's fucking different influences. Every guy's got different. It's not just five dudes who love one guy. You know. Yeah. That's what I'm and uh, and I also have my ex in my phone saved as cunt ex wife. Just cunt ex wife. Yeah. You guys, what's wrong with you guys? What what happened to you guys that got you into so many bad relationships? Or is that, is it, I guess that it's, it helps with the songs. We wouldn't have any song material if we didn't yeah. fuck something up. What's the, what's the t-shirt there? Uh, my girlfriend got me this. It's, uh, it's cat, Black I'll, I'll explain to the audience. It's Cat Sabbath. It's Black Sabbath, but they're cats. It's very manly. Yeah. It's cool. I love Black Sabbath, and I, I dig cats, so it's a cool shirt. It's a win-win, I think. Yeah. So uh, explain who you are, what you do. Uh, this is Caleb. I play guitar, and uh, I think my biggest musical influences growing up would have to be probably the Allman Brothers. And then from that, like Warren Haynes and Derek Trucks, and then eventually that kind of stuff led into country. Uh, well, that's, that's kind of, I mean, that's close to that. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it's Southern. And Brad Paisley, I love Brad Paisley's playing for sure. Yeah, he's, a, he's a probably an underrated guitar player, huh? I don't really listen to his stuff, but. Um, Who, Paisley? Yeah. 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 He's an animal. Yeah, I see. I, I, honestly, I don't know if he's that, that good or not. He's but. Probably oh, he's, he's, one of the, he's one of the best guitar players, like, in, in Nashville. I, I, he's crazy good. He tweeted me that he was going to break my jaw. Did he? Paisley did? Yeah. With what? With his fist. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, I assume he was joking around, but I think it's because he, uh, someone, he's in, he's in commercials for something, and some guy said, oh, I wish Wheeler Walker Jr. was in that commercial. I said, yeah, well, come on, put me in it. And he's like, for, and all of a sudden, he just got really defensive. He said, he's going to fucking punch me in my jaw and break it. I, that sounds like he doesn't want you in that commercial. Yeah, I well. Oh, I but I think it was, I think, I'm pretty sure it was a joke. He's I probably guess. joking. Yeah, I assume he was. So, what's the plan for the for the new record? You got a tour set up to yeah. So we'll tour uh, pretty much nationally, uh, East Coast, West Coast, everything in between from mid August to East probably, Coast, West Coast, Middle Coast. Yeah, Middle Coast for sure. We'll we'll tour all that probably mid August to December, take a break, and then we'll probably resume it 
in January to probably April or May, and that'll be kind of the tour for this album. And we're, we're, we are taking the horns and the strings out. So oh, shit. we're probably, we're not going to make very much money. We may even lose money in the long run, but I just thought it'd be something cool to do for the fans and present a show that even if they had seen us five or six times before, they hadn't seen this show. And so we're getting a second bus we'll, we'll, and bringing we'll say, on new you know, players. Like Josh Abbott band with the Austin Phillips. I've always thought that that was kind of lame to put your name on a bus. So we never. No, I'm saying that when you buy the ticket, we'll say like with the Austin Philharmonic or whatever. No, I don't know. We haven't. I mean, we still just go by Josh Abbott Band, but we thought about calling it the Big Band Tour. Yeah, that'd be cool. or something. But it's. Uh, I think we're just calling it until my voice goes out tour. So we'll see what happens. Maybe. How about the maybe losing money tour? Yeah, yeah probably losing money <laughs> or the too many players. Too many players. You know, because management. You know, they're going to get that 10 percent of that poon and. Yeah, and, uh, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I'm dealing with that shit too. And uh, booking your booking agent's gonna get ten percent of that poon, and it's just yeah. the way it is. The drummer, the drummer wants a raise, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you what what? Because uh, the last time I I talked, to you guys, Mark was out there. You guys were playing Conan, right? Yeah. What kind? What are those shows? Because I can't. I I'm curious about that world because I they won't let me on any of that shit. Of course. What 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 are those shows? Have you done? Well, we've done Jimmy Kimmel and Conan, and then we have uh, we're doing Fox and Friends in August, and there's some rumors of us getting some other late night Fox TV. and Friends, right? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, it's Fox. like a Saturday morning okay. show, and then uh, there's some rumors of us maybe getting on late night TV again this fall. So we'll see. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a long day deal, and um, you know you don't just show up and play. I mean, you're pretty much there. Eight hours, you know, in order do, for them to, to do film four it. minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, have you guys done? Uh, forgive me for not knowing. Have you done Austin City Limits or no? You know, we never have. Uh, I Mark, get that shit done. Well, Austin City Limits, you know, in terms of recording their tapings and stuff, they're very, very particular about their artists they bring in. And I almost think it hurts you to be a Texas country artist because they don't want people to associate ACL with just being Texas country. So usually the, the the only bands I know of in Texas country, quote unquote, that have recorded ACL are more, um, you know, legendary artists, uh, heritage artists. They're the guys like Willie and, like Willie yeah. and you know, some of the older, um, but I mean, yeah, but Corey's also been doing it for like 20 or 30 years. You know I mean? I think like, I think at some point well, down the line, it, they'll let us, yeah. but yeah, you're the guys that are in our age. Group it is, is this true when I think about it, it's mainly national acts, huh? Yeah. And they'll do like, you know, when they do the alt country world, you know, they do Casey Musgraves and Isbell and Ryan Adams and all that. But as far as we go, we probably haven't, I don't know, in their eyes, maybe we haven't earned the stripes yet, yeah, but we one, will. That's one of my goals. I want to play that show, but I don't, I guess PBS probably wouldn't work for me, but yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what show you'd be best for. I feel like if the man show is still on, you would have been great for the man show. Um, yeah, well, it's, uh, any show that would have me, I think, is probably gone. Maybe I can do South Park. <laughs> Actually, yeah, South Park would be great for you. Yeah, I wouldn't have to, like, get all dressed up and shit. <sighs> so, what's the, what's, you got any kind of, like, long, long-term plan? Do you want to keep doing this independent, putting out, was it too much work putting out your own album? <sighs> No, I mean, I, th- I mean, it probably is for Mark, you know, um, a shit, yeah. our management company. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
for management, I think it's a lot of work. For us, you know, it's the same process. But they say they take the same percentage either way, so why not? Exactly. Have I'm very hands on in terms of helping with marketing plans, running our social media accounts, and you know, being in kind of overseeing everything. So it's probably a lot more work for me than most lead singers, but but I enjoy it. You know, it's a business, it's a brand, and I think you know you have to really dive in if you want to create something that lasts. So what's your what's your guys' routine on the road? Have you kind of slowed now that you're getting old, probably around my age, a little older, getting uh, trying to not party? So that's one of the things because I'm on tour right now. And I'm trying to lay back on the partying and stuff. Is that, something, some, is, that, is that something you learned as you go? Like you can't keep that pace for sure. up. Our partying's changed. You know, those first probably five or six years that we were doing it. You know, we would party pretty hard. We'd show up to after parties, and um, you know, uh, some of these guys they were they. They were single at the time, and, um, you know, I was married and unfortunately ruined my first marriage by partying too much and, you know, doing all the stuff that country music singers do. Um, but, uh, you know, we had a lot of wild fun those first five or six yeah, my, years, but my, I feel like now... My first tour, I went a little too nutty, and yeah, I've kind of learned to tone it back Well, I just feel bit. like now we're all in our 30s. Right, Eddie, you're 30 now. You're the youngest. You're 30. a most of us, well, all of us are are significant with someone's, you know, like you just got engaged. I've, that, right? Every one of us lives with our person, right? I mean, let's see, four of us are, you know, three of you, three of these guys are married. I just got engaged. These other guys live with their girlfriends. So I think um, this time in our lives is different. Our version of partying, our version of partying after the show is hanging out with the other bands just on the bus. It's a total sausage fest. And, you know, we're probably drinking, smoking pot and watching, you know, different bands on, you know, TV here. You know, we're watching different documentaries and, and concerts. What are, you, what are you into right now? What, what do you think is good? Shark Week. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, it's, you know, the band, the bands, the bands that we probably watch the most up here on TV, definitely Punch Brothers. And who else besides it, I saw that? I saw a documentary on them that was pretty good. That Nathaniel was, Ratliff. ACD. So you guys got that live Zeppelin DVD, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some of these guys. So I think our, you know, it's not that we still, don't, it's not that we don't party. I mean, we still drink, we still have fun, but but it just looks different. Instead of there being ten college girls up here, it's just us dudes hanging out with each other and having fun in that sense. So, so what percentage year the the year do you guys go on? Are you are you on the tour? Are you on the bus? I mean, touring like what? How long? How much of the year? We play probably a hundred. And 30 shows a year. That's crazy. Probably yeah. about what we play. I, I think, you know, on a our lightest years ever in our 10 years now of doing this or nine years or whatever it is of doing this uh, was probably 112 or 115 shows. You know, and crazy. but we will, you know, that will wind down, you know, already I'd like to see us get to like a hundred and then I think 10 years from now it'll be like 75, you know I mean? So you're, but you're thinking that far ahead. Yeah, for sure. Because we we know we want to do this. You know, this is what we love doing. It's what we love doing for a living. Um, but you can't. You know, we're not going to be in our forties and play 150 shows a year. That's I don't fair. think anybody in this group wants to do that. I think everybody will have kids at that point. The ones that don't, and everybody will, you know, want to be home more. I think. What's the? Lo- I mean, don't have to get too dark. But what was the lowest point you got that you thought? Like when it was like fuck this, I don't want to do this anymore. Our lowest point, yeah, or for you at least. Oh, f- well, for me it was when I got divorced. You know, that was, uh, you know, I, 
that was a really weird time in my life to have to face some kind of internal issues that I faced. And I'm sure it was very hard on the band as well because it was public. And uh, what do you so mean that pu- was that public was, because it's because everything in Texas is that everybody knows everybody? Well, there's definitely that, but it's also because for some reason my ex-wife and I decided it was a good idea to let everybody know on Twitter that we were getting divorced and then it just went downhill from there. You guys aren't good at the divorcing, huh? No, we're not. Great at the divorcing is the marriage thing we have a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to speak for everybody because that's, you know, Fraylin, our keys player, he's divorced. Austin, the banjo player, is divorced. I'm divorced, but now, you know, I'm engaged again and couldn't be happier. It's definitely the right person for my life. Okay. Uh, but these other guys, they're, you know, James, how long have you and Stacy been married? 12 years. But then you've also been dating longer than that, right? You've been dating, so, you've been dating somebody else even longer than you've been married? Yeah. yeah. So James, our bass player, he and his wife have been together for 12, 15 years. Preston and his wife have a, a so it's like fantastic a big, marriage. Is it, is it like a big family then when you guys, like are there shows where you take everyone out? Well, I don't know about that, but but definitely there's shows where all the girlfriends or wives or kids or whatever will come out and everybody will kind of hang on the bus. It gets crowded pretty quick on here, so we can't do everyone all the time. But What's it feel like playing fucking, you know, 18,000? I mean, is that pretty crazy? Or I think it feels good. It, it's why we did this, right? You know, I mean, nobody... I mean, you pick up your instrument for different reasons you know you want to be inspired you want to be like your dad you want to be like willie nelson or whoever but at some point as that thought evolves it becomes i want to be a fucking rock star i want to play in front of thousands and thousands of people you don't do it so you can play at the vfw hall every week you know i mean the vfw is great it's great i was gonna say that was the kind of and i'm not knocking that because there are people who do that and that's what they do their whole lives but they probably have an eight to five and then they play the vfw for fun right on the weekends i think for us it was like we want to do this for a living you know we want to play for thousands of people every night and you know like today was a great show for us we got to play in front of i don't know a few thousand people out here in washington and it we got paid to do it and now we get to talk to you and we don't really bitch about much because we have really good lives well, we have we we don't we have that we do not have that in common i spend all my time bitching <laughs> I, well I, I do a fair share of bitching as well but but i try not to bitch about our careers because i mean what we are the, very the, blessed what was the lowest time career-wise you felt was it the getting in that major label shit oh i can answer that one okay we got another <laughs> so, guy <laughs> <laughs> so the day that the news came that the label had dropped us we were playing this private party at uh, the firehouse saloon <laughs> oh, yeah. and it's these uh friends of josh's that we've done it for them every year but you know it's just one of those things that how do i put this um we look forward to it but it's not like a hallmark career-wise for us you know it's kind of a dive bar kind of thing Anyways, we're getting ready to do that. It's hot. You know, the AC hadn't run yet. Speaking Josh of which, goes, can we turn the air up in here? Oh, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Anyhow, so <laughs> so we're getting ready to do this gig, and um, Josh comes in and says, yeah, the label dropped us, and we're just thinking, well, shit. We have a, you know, I don't know. That, I don't really have anywhere to go from that story because I'm kind of waiting for the AC to turn on. Yeah, basically it's like, you know, when I let the guys know that the label had called me, us and dropped us, it was the same time we are playing this private party. And I'm sure some of the guys thought, where 
is our career going to head? You know, now that we were a Texas, you know, we were a Texas country band. We built all this momentum. We signed a record deal, the single tanks the nationally. People, yeah. And then you're right. For most bands, when you're single tanks nationally and the label drops you, you now become a singer songwriter or whatever in Nashville or you move home. Right. And for us, we had already developed something, a business model and fan base that allowed us to continue doing. And now we're bigger than we were even at the time we signed. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. So it proves that you don't need that shit. So I don't know that we've had a lot of low points. Again, I think, you know, I mean, looking getting back, dropped from the label. Looking that back was on, it seems weird. like getting dropped was probably a good a, blessing a in disguise. Thing, yeah. Every you don't every, know, you don't know at the time. There's not one of us in the band that wishes that we were still on the label. Yeah, and we're how, all very happy. How do you guys write? Who, who do you write most of the songs, or do you guys yeah, write together? I much? I, you Preston dives in the writing. Caleb's written a couple that I don't think we've cut on, but he's written. I'm, I don't know if some of these guys might write it on the side, but I'm um, yeah, it's pretty much me. Did you ever think about going to Nashville doing some songwriting sessions, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've thought about it, but I just uh, maybe that'll be something down the road I can do in yeah. my older age. But I just feel like now I'm busy enough doing this. Do you do you actually have your ear to any of this? God awful, you know, mainstream country. Do you know this shit at no, all? No, no. I, I don't really listen to the radio. I listen to a lot of podcasts like this. I listen to AM, you know, sports radio, and that's just who's the your kind team. Of, well, college football, T- Texas Tech. Okay, you know, but I, I, you know, in Texas, you obviously root for the Texans, the Cowboys. Those are the two teams in football and baseball. I root for the Rangers. Basketball, I root for the Mavs, but. You know, so I I listen to, but I love just sports in general. So I love hearing podcasts about all sorts of teams. And so um, I don't know these. I I doubt any of these guys listen to mainstream country every day. I probably yeah, everyone like once a year I'll try to listen to it just to see what what to make fun of. But holy shit, it's it's so the fucking, thing is it's not worth my time to even. It's like you know my thing is I can tell by the album cover if it sucks. Like I'll see a dude on the album cover. I know this guy's a douche, and I know that his yeah. fucking, it's fucking yeah. you know. I like Dirk's Bentley stuff. Like the stuff that he puts out. Dirk's is great. Yeah, that bluegrass record I thought was really that good. Was awesome. Up on the, up on the but I just don't. I, like, I think Dirk's new one, Black, is probably the, one of the best songs he's ever put out. Yeah, I, I just don't. I think it's. I what bugs me is that it's just like that we have to. Huddle together to think of one good song in a fucking whole genre of music. It's just no, I don't know. That's true. I mean, you got look. We're here tonight with Stapleton, who's obviously the man. Lee Bryce, I think, is a phenomenal writer. Really has honed in what he does. He writes his stuff and puts it out. You know, that's the guy I met in Vegas, right? Yeah. Um, Okay. Eric Church is someone that we love, and there's a lot of you know Nashville. There's a lot of good parts of Nashville and and the mainstream country world. Unfortunately, it's been swallowed up by by pop shit. By pop driven bro country ish sounding songs with loops and fake drums well, see, and fake I everything. I don't know about you, but for me like I like pop music. Yeah. I got nothing against it, but I just don't when I listen to country, I want to hear country, you know, like Yeah. That's why I was having this conversation with uh, Charlie Warsham, who was on the podcast last week. Was like, I really like the Taylor Swift pop record, but I liked that she was right. just, that she was just like, this ain't don't put this on country I, radio. I respect her for that more than anything. Yeah, because like, she basically said, I'm going to make a record that's not country, and I'm not going to force country radio to play it. Yeah, because she very easily could have. But been, a lot of other have, people yeah. in Nashville country, that's what they do. They make very pop records. I find it and they to be the minor, the minor leagues of pop these days. But you know, I'm not going to bash anyone in particular because at the end of the day, and you know this. That music is art. 
art in nature is subjective. So there's no altruistic. There's no true answer. That's, right? that's not true because the shit the shit I make fun of that, the, the shit I make fun of is just is horrible shit to you. Yeah. But to some people, that shit might be the song they dance to the first time to the person they end up getting married and it holds a special you know part. In their you know heart. you're right because I mean these fuckers are. I'm playing it. 800 tickets when I'm lucky and they're selling on fucking arenas who am I to say so I I just think that you know at the end of the day I can't sit here and say that you know my opinion of it may be that it sucks but it doesn't mean that it sucks as a capital T truth right like it just isn't something that you listen to or I listen to but to some people it holds special meaning and there's some people out there that thinks that think we suck and okay that's fine but we have Hundreds of thousands of fans who would disagree. Every artist does, and you as well. I mean, there's probably some I don't have people. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I bet you do, and I, and if you don't already, you will because what you're doing has a very signature stamp on it, and people are going hey, Mark, to lo- find these people. It's very polarizing. What you do, people will love or they hate. Yeah, a lot of hate. And so there's going to be people that are like, no, like Wheeler Walker fucking sucks. And you're going to have for every one of them that says that, there's going to be another one. It's like, dude, no way. Well, dude, his shit is awesome. Have you listened to it? The writing's great. It's clever. The production is well done. His players are great. You, I mean, you need to give this guy his due. So well, that's a great fucking answer, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I, 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 another question is there like a group of like contemporaries from Texas that you kind of came up with, a group of all you guys? Like, you know, that you kind of consider, like, you know, these are, we kind of had our first kind of big gigs with. Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's that? Like, who are your your buddies? Like, uh, William Clark Green, Whiskey Myers, um, Randy Rogers Band, Wade Bowen. um, Yeah, Eli Young was a band we used to open up for very early on. Yeah, those guys are good. And, um,. You know, Turnpike Troubadours is a band we play a lot I, I, with. I, I love those dudes. They're gonna they're gonna come to my San Francisco show. They said they're awesome. Yeah, I fucking are they cool dudes? They're really cool dudes. Okay, Tur- Turnpike, they're our boys. You okay, know, yeah, that's one. Of, they put out a couple records recently that I fucking love. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff coming out of Texas right now, and you know, again, some people like it, some people don't. Oklahoma. Oh yeah, well, Turnpike's out of Oklahoma, but you so know what the, I mean. Who, somebody here had a had a had a story about one of my buddy Billy Joe Shaver, right? Somebody did. Who had the Billy Joe Shaver story? Well, Preston. It's probably me. If you don't know, I'm trying, to think, well, trying to think of which one it was. Okay, yeah. So I'm not 100 percent sure if this is true, but I heard <laughs> it from a good, good start to any story. Exactly. Yeah. So I went to this music school, and one of my teachers brought this story up and said that a. Uh, um, I'm just an old chunk of coal. That song. Yeah. They said that he walked up on a mountain and he was going to jump off. You know, he's just done with everything. Who your and, teacher uh, was? No, no, no uh, Billy Joe. Okay. And I guess he was just done with everything. He was going to jump off, and then uh, he said he didn't want to die in his boots, so he took his boots off, and he uh, changed his mind. I guess put his boots back on and walked down the mountain, and it's when he wrote that song. I'm just an old chunk of coal. Yeah, I'm going to be a diamond someday. It's pretty That's cool. cra- I mean, it's, it's one I'm of the best lyrics. I'm not 100% sure. You know, don't quote me on that, because it's a story well, that I heard. But we gotta, you know, I gotta, we'll have to check that story out, but if, yeah. if true, it's pretty crazy. I mean, that's one of the best lyrics ever, you know. I like He's- that story about his divorce when he... Sorry, this is Austin again. Uh, and more on divorce. Um, when he got uh, arrested for, like, his fifth DWI, and his wife came to the jail, not to bail him out. She had suitcases packed, and she goes, I'm getting on a plane, and I'm leaving you. And he goes... 
damn it, I really wish you'd take a train so I could write a song about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, is, he, is, he, is he a hero of you guys? He's a... He's, he's just... He's, Waco, right? He's like royalty in the Texas scene. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's, he's older, he's missing some fingers, and... I've shaken his hand. Yeah. I, sh- I shook all four of his you know, fingers, yeah. But, but he does his thing. When he plays, he captures everyone that watches, because he does this, like, really cool motion, like, with his hand, and... Uh, to me, he's, he's just he's, a character. He's, he's one of the great... He's a true outlaw Because here's the one thing Country songwriters of all time And here's a different podcast sometime That I'd love to be on There's way too many country music singers That are That are for some reason Outlaw country And they're not fucking outlaws They're pussies You know what's funny I can't remember whose whose quote it was But I think I think it was maybe Waylon I think Or Chris Stofferson I don't remember who said The quote was um, The outlaw country music Was just a bunch of guys Pretending to be Billy Joe Shaver He really is an outlaw I mean he shot a guy yeah, I mean, in the, face. in the face between the mother and the fuckers. What he I said. don't know how many, and I'll be real honest. I I don't know how many outlaw countries, so to speak. How many outlaws really play country music now? Well, it's kind of like gangster rap. None of them are fucking gangsters. I mean, know? there might be one or two that we don't know of their story. Maybe they went to prison for a little bit or grew up really rough. And yeah. so, you know, if that's the case, then I just don't know it. But oh yeah, Billy just, Joe's a real fucking deal. Every now, but Billy Joe is an outlaw. But he's and he's also found a way to turn that into poetry. You know. Right. Yeah. Chris Knight probably the closest. Chris Knight's for sure outlaw. Chris Knight is is the man. And you got to know Chris Knight. Yeah, I know his music. He's from Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know him personally, but yeah, I know his music, of course. Um, But yeah, I didn't know he was that fucking crazy. I got to listen to him. I like those crazy fuckers because I don't really. Yeah, you got to listen to Chris Knight. I mean, he's like every every other song's about killing someone or someone dying. I I know his shit, but um, hold on. What's what they playing now? Who's that out there? That's Ashley McBride. Okay, I heard yeah. We've been Alabama a while ago. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, some dude just, some dude just played uh, Friends in Low Places. Who was that again? Oh, one Garth. Chris Gaines. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Chris Gaines played the small stage, and I'm going to play that. You can stick around for my show at 11? Absolutely, we'll be there. You kidding? We're going to be back here raging and partying. It's with like you. almost six. I got, f- yeah, I, got, I don't usually get to my gig seven hours early, but I guess it's a little different. <laughs> But uh, I think that about anything else you want to say about the new record before we take off here? No, I mean I just hope people give it a chance. You know, uh, some of the songs on the on the album are pretty deep, uh, personal, and a little intense. Thema- thematically, what was kind of your what were you really drawn from the most? Uh, well, I think the whole album, you know, rhet- rhetorically, the album is about life and the rediscovery of what that means. Um, Sonically, it obviously is what we do, but with a brand new icing on the cake. It's got um, the strings and stuff, which they it's used got to the do, strings and the used horns. Used to in Nashville, you know, in the whatever, yeah. like this. That was kind of like the the um, what the outlaws were rebelling against, yeah. I guess, in like this probably seventies, and you know. But there's some great still like George Jones uses that shit all the time. Yeah, great. so did Merle. Price, man. Yeah, Ray. Price. I mean, so the horns go back. They're so old school country that people forget that they're old country. But oh, yeah, you forget that it's on. You know. Ring of Ring of Fire and all that shit, you know. Yeah, Bob Wills. Yeah. So you know what? We'll uh, we you know we've got the horns and the strings, and and hopefully people will really dig this album because there's some lighthearted stuff on there. There's a couple songs on there that are very lighthearted. They're probably closer to mainstream than they are Texas country. I don't know, really. I guess it's up to somebody to decide. But um, but the heart of the album, you know, I think is is great. You know, the title track "Until My Voice Goes Out." There's a song called "I'm Your Only Flaw" uh, that I wrote for my fiance, and so I just and and then there's another song uh, towards the end of the album.
album that's about losing a father. And a uh, really interesting story behind that, I'll just say real quick, uh, was written by Jaron Johnston and Rodney Clawson of Nashville. I know Jaron. Jaron from Cadillac 3? Yeah. Okay. So they wrote this song about losing a dad, and it's called Ain't My Daddy's Town. And they sent it to me on February 3rd, okay? On February, the, the, so the song's about losing your father. Well, I got the pitch, got the song. My reply to them through our management company was like, hey, I really dig the song. It's great. It's fantastic, but I can't relate to it. So maybe one day if my dad dies, I'll be able to relate to it. My dad had a stroke February 9th, six days later, went in the hospital. I was worried um, that was going to... He was in the hospital for three weeks. While we were in there, at the very beginning of, the, of it, we were actually in the studio when I got the call. I think there's actually footage from our videographer of me getting the call. And my mom, I was like, what, mom? Kind of, you know, just joking with your mom. And then immediately I knew her tone was too serious for me to joke. But anyway, so when they were in the hospital, the doctors asked my mom, they said, you know, sometimes people have these same symptoms that brought him in here today, this stroke. Did he have any of this similar recently? And my mom was like, well, actually, last week, uh, his helper brought him home and because he was so dizzy, he couldn't stand. And he just took, an, he took some Tylenol or something, went to sleep, and woke up that night, and he felt better. And that, that date was February 2nd. That's crazy. Or February 3rd. February 3rd is the date. So the same day they sent me this song pitch about losing a dad was the day my dad had his like pre-stroke whatever you want to call it warning so it's funny how things work out i guess and so um how's he doing they now? allowed me is he, is he, he okay? died okay sorry to hear that he passed he passed away uh march 2nd so he had a stroke uh february 3rd then february 9th went to the hospital with it he was there for three weeks he died march 2nd which is texas independence day which was huh. i kind of thought there was something to that and uh and anyway, uh, I don't want to get too emotional about it, but yeah, I was going to say my the I was, writers. I was out uh, just to relate a little bit, and I got a call once from a couple of years ago. I was out working, and my brother called me. He's like, the second the phone, I was like, "Hey, I got to call you back." He's like, "No, no, you can't. His dad just heart, had a heart attack," and I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, "You know, do I come home?" He's like, "No, he's going to surgery now. It should be. It just it just changed your whole fucking world, you know." Right. It was like, um, and he ended up being okay but it just it fucks you up man you know it does it has uh completely flipped my world around i think about life and death every day now and so that had a lot to do with this record too it had a lot to do with how um you know what's so funny is a lot of the material on the record we had already picked but the way the record shaped really just you know completely flipped the narrative and it really focused not only on the discovery of life and what that means, but life and death. I mean, I just had a baby. My dad died. There's so many different emotions that kind of merged on this album. It's so cool that he got to see you play those big places, you know, see, see all yeah. that success. And the very time. last song he heard before he died was the title track to this album until my voice goes out. So it's dedicated to him and, um, you know, we'll just keep doing our thing until our voices go out. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, this might be definitely our, my most serious podcast. Um, but yeah, man, um, I, I want everyone to go get the record and support, you know, good independent country, which there's very little of nowadays in my opinion, but there's, you know, you go out there and find it, you know, it's, it's out there. It's out there. Um, so I pr- you guys all want to say individually, you say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Wheeler. Goodbye, Wheeler. Thanks, man. Goodbye, Wheeler. Thanks, dude. See you, buddy. Appreciate it. Goodbye, Wheeler. Thanks, dude. Bye, Wheeler. Thanks, man. Goodbye, Wheeler. Thanks, man. That was the Cat Sabbath guy. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, I'm gonna press stop. Thanks again, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, man. It's the Wheeler Walker Junior Podcast. It's Wheeler Walker Junior Podcast. Everybody else sucks, man. I am the best. It's Wheeler Walker Junior Podcast. Well, it got kind of serious there at the end. Sorry about that. Actually, I'm not sorry. I am who I am. Fuck you guys. But it was cool to to uh, talk to those dudes and get tickets for their shows, buy their record, get tickets for my shows, buy my record. See you fuckers later.